Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. It's always an honor to be with, uh, with the, the young people, the youth, the, um, the future of uh, the kingdom of God is right here in this room. And uh, I'm just honored to be a part of it. And uh, I just want to, before I get into the message, I want to just uh, just give a word that I just think maybe might be for somebody in here. And, um, you know, the enemy tries to do two things to us. You know, he don't like us and he tries to destroy us. And and he's um, he's unlike Jesus. He's not compassionate. He's not kind. He's mean. He's ugly. He's ruthless. And he wants nothing more than to ruin our lives. Right? That's what Jesus said. He came to kill, steal, and to destroy. And there's two things that the enemy always tries to do to you and I or to the people of God. He either, number one, he tries to make us think we're better than we should be thinking we are. And he tries to put puff us up and make us think we're, you know, we're God's gift to humanity. And he, he just tries to inflate us. In fact, he tries to get us so pumped about ourselves that we think we don't need God. But, you know, that usually works itself out because normally the Bible says pride comes before fall. And normally uh, whenever we get too puffed up and we get too haughty and we get too arrogant, Sooner or later, we're going we're gonna to be brought back down to the level we need to be at. Something in our life is going to happen and uh, something will cause pain in our life. And it has a way of just making us humble. You know what I'm talking about? And so what I want, some of you in here today might be going through a difficult time right now. And sometimes the reason why we go through a tough time is the Lord is just allowing us to be humbled a little bit because he don't want us to get too too stuck on ourselves to think that we don't need God. So if you're going through something right now and you're going through a difficult time, that's why James says you ought to just count it joy knowing that the trying of your faith is producing perseverance and perseverance hope. Just know that God's working on you. And I've found that the more hard things I go through, the more dependent on God I am. Amen. So what the enemy might try to be doing to harm you, God's going to turn it around and use it for your good. Amen. But here's the other thing is if he can't puff you up, then he tries to knock you down. He tries to drive you in the ground. He tries to make you feel like you have no value and that you have no worth and that you're unworthy and that there's no love in, in the heart of God for you. That's the other thing he does. And he's really good at it. And he just whispers just messages in our ear. And we even think it's our own thoughts sometimes. And, and, or he'll bring somebody in our life to say something ugly to us, to say something nasty. And it's really being fueled by the enemy himself because he's just trying to just drive us into the ground. Amen. So some of us, he just tries to make us think we're better than we should be thinking we are. And for some of us, he think, he tries to make us think we're less than we think that we are. Amen. And so I want you to do me a favor and I want you to stand with me for just one more second right now. And 
And I just want to take a moment. And what, you know, whenever I just felt like the Lord just showed me that, I just felt like there were some people in this room tonight that the enemy has really been pounding you. And he's really been making you feel like, like that you have no value. You have no worth to some of the girls in here. He's making you feel, he's trying to make you feel like you have, like, like you're, you're ugly. You're mean. You're, you're nobody cares. Nobody, nobody even is, is interested in you and and to some of you guys he's just trying to make make you feel like like you just have no value no worth and you're just the scum of the earth and he's he's just really beating you in the ground and discouraging you and the Lord is wanting you to know tonight that that's not what he feels about you that's not what he thinks about you he loves you and he thinks you have great worth and he created you precious he created you with uh with just a with awesome creativity and he made you to be the person that you are. And I think tonight we just need to break the power of the lies of the enemy off of us tonight. Amen. Now, if that's you, if you feel like God is speaking to you right now, just raise your hand and I I just want to pray over you right now. I just want to pray father in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are releasing your power. You're releasing your anointing. You're releasing your spirit. Father, I bind up the lies of the enemy. I break the lies of the enemy off of the Lord, the the people of God today. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, that the Lord, they are being released from the torment and the lies of the evil one tonight. And Lord, they're receiving the love of God. They're receiving the grace of God tonight. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your love is just filling this place. Now, do me a favor. And just, you know, one of the things that the enemy tries to do is make us feel like we're not worthy of God's love. We're not worthy of, of, of worshiping God or, you know, who are we to, to think like we're something special? But God's wanting to just, he's just wanting us to receive his love and, and know that the reason why we're lovable is not because we're so good or that we're so perfect. It's just because of his heart for us. That he loves us so much. And I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I just want you to just receive the love of God. As if he was in this room right now. And he was going in each row of the chairs in this room. And it says he'd stop right where you are tonight. And he'd look at you in the eyes. He'd look at you in the face with just tremendous love in his eyes. And he'd look at you and just grab you and just put his arms around you and just hug you tight. And just let you know and just just tell you to your face, I love you. I love you. You are precious. You are valuable. Don't let the enemy make you think any differently. Embrace my love tonight. Can you do that tonight? Can you just receive his love? Can you just accept his love? Thank you, Father God, for just coming right now. Thank you, Lord, for just filling this room right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, whenever I was your age, 
I didn't know the Lord like many of you know the Lord tonight. But you know, one of the things that I struggled with is just feeling self-worth, feeling valuable, feeling like I was worth something. And I think there's somebody in here tonight that you've been just really wrestling with not feeling any value or any worth. Not feeling maybe that anybody really cares. Anybody feeling that way tonight? Would you just acknowledge it by just raising your hand? Just just lifting your hand. No, I forgot. Whenever you feel that way, you can't even do that. You can't even acknowledge it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for the person that's in this room tonight that has really been discouraged and feeling like they have no value and no worth. God, I pray that you just put your arms around them tonight and that you would break discouragement off of them and that you would fill them with your love and fill them with your grace. Thank you, Lord, for just ministering to them tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Won't you do me a favor? Just be seated tonight. You know, about 31 years ago, I was 22 years old, and I was, um, I was raised in church, but I didn't know the Lord personally. Thank you, Josh. Didn't they do a great job tonight? Great job, gang. Amen. And uh, I came to know Christ at 31 years old and started coming to church and just learning about Christianity and stuff like that. And and uh, met my wife, Tanya, uh, you know, about probably about 30 years ago. And uh, so we've been knowing each other for for that amount of time. And we've been in the church here uh, ever since that time. And, uh, you know, so I started off uh, just at 22, just learning about God and and just growing. And then uh, and then I, I started getting involved and, and then I became the youth pastor. And and uh, Tanya and I worked with youth for almost five years and we did a lot of youth meetings and all kinds of stuff. And and um, and so then I became the associate pastor and did that for 11 years. And then Brother Francis retired and then I became the senior, the, the senior pastor and did that for, uh, I, I, we just finished 14 years now. And, and so we've been around church for a long time and seen a lot of things come and go. And, and uh, the church has changed a lot. The, the culture has changed a lot since I became a Christian and where we are today. Things are changing. And I'm sure just even at your age, you're probably, probably noticing that our culture is changing. Are y'all noticing that? Things are changing and it's changing uh, quicker than it used to be. And, and just in thinking about that, about our culture and how it's changing, you know, it's also changing uh, the perspective of the church. And, uh, and you know, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about some of that stuff. And how many of you know, how many of you knew Pastor Brad, sons? Did y'all know him? Well, Pastor Brad, you know, for those of you that don't, Pastor Brad was a pastor on staff here for a number of years. And, and, and he was, he was in the church for a long time. But Pastor Brad uh, had cancer and he died about, I don't know, I think it'll be 
three years, maybe this August or something like that. But when Pastor Brad died, I was shocked at how how uh, how hard it was for me to to accept the fact that he had passed away. And uh, and as I just thought about that, I realized that, you know, the reason why his death affected my life so much was because he was a huge support and encouragement to me. And although I was I was his pastor and I was his boss, we had the kind of friendship and relationship where we encouraged each other and we supported each other. And, and he helped me as much as I did him. But I realized after he 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 passed away that. Um, that he was a he was an important influence in my life. And, and, and here's an important fact of life that just like Pastor Brad was an influence in my life, everybody has influence in their life. Everyone in this room is being influenced by somebody. And uh, we, you know, like, for instance, um, uh, you know, how many of you have siblings? Y'all have siblings? How many of you have older siblings? How many of you have younger siblings? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, everybody's influenced by somebody, but the question is, you know, uh, who are we going to allow to influence our life? Who are we going to allow to influence our opinions and our viewpoints and all that kind of stuff? Because the people that you allow to influence your life will shape your destiny and will determine the direction of your life. So you got to be careful about who you allow to influence you. Like, for instance, if you have older brothers and sisters, your older brothers and sisters influence your life. You know, it's just a natural, it's just natural in a family that younger siblings look up to older siblings. And whether we like to admit it or not, our older siblings influence us. And, uh, and we start taking on some of the values that they have. And if we have younger brothers and sisters, I think it's pretty safe to say that you are influencing your younger siblings. Your brothers and sisters around you are being influenced by you. Did you know that? So I hope you're not messing them up. But, but it's true that when you're younger, you tend to be more influenced by others than whenever you get older. You know, as a young, the younger you are, you're influenced by everything you see, everything you say. But as you grow older, you're not nearly as influenced by things as, as you are whenever you're very young. When I was in middle school, uh, I got influenced by my older siblings and uh, I got introduced to drugs and took on drugs as a, as a, as a normal part of life. They, uh, they influenced me in a way that I probably would have never gone that way if it wouldn't been for their influence. But because they had so much influence in my life, they, they helped me to just embrace a lifestyle that was really detrimental to my life. And then, uh, but when I became an adult, I decided that the, the opinion of my siblings towards certain lifestyles was not going to be my opinion. And I started breaking off the influence that they had in my life. Are y'all tracking with me yet? And so the older you get, the more you decide who's going to be the major influencers of your life. Whenever I was young, my siblings were, as I got older, I said, you know what? They are not going to be the influence in my life. Somebody else will. But you know what I realized? Even as I, a pastor, I have people that influence my life. 
And, um, and I find myself continually having opinions and views about life that have been shaped and formed by people or adults around my life. For example, Brother Francis. Brother Francis, the founding pastor of this church, you know, I was 22 when I started coming to church here. He, I heard a lot of sermons he preached. I was around him a lot, went on vacation with him, worked with him, fished with him, hunted with him, spent a lot of time with him. And in spending that time with him, he began to shape my opinions and my views in life. And then I think about, you know, just yesterday we found out Pastor Larry Stocksdale, Bethany, his dad just died. I think he was 94, something like that. But Pastor Larry Stocksdale was a major influence in my life over the years. Just from knowing him, he shaped my view of prayer. And I began to realize that prayer is incredibly powerful because I learned that from his lifestyle. And I learned that from his, his, uh, his philosophy of life. I learned about missions is really important and reaching the world with, with evangelization is really important. So these men and other men and women of God have influenced me and I'm still influenced by people today. We never stop getting influenced by people regardless of how old we are and whether we think we are or not. And so the difference between, you know, uh, these uh, these men of God in my family was uh, some of them shaped me in a positive way and some of them shaped me in a negative way. But the reality is everybody's going to be influenced by somebody, including you. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Do you all agree with that? Everybody's influenced by somebody and you're being influenced by somebody. You see, sometimes we think, no, I'm cutting my own trail. But then when we see somebody do something and we just mimic what they're doing, you know what just happened? We let them influence us. And I remember when I first started pastoring, man, I, I just walk like some pastors and I would say the same sayings as some pastors because I admired them and I saw the way they ministered, and I wanted to minister like them. They were influencing me. And, you know, I, I realized that I started saying things and, and doing things all through my life because of influence. And so the question is not whether we're going to be influenced. The question is, who is going to influence us? Because who influences us makes the, makes the, uh, the uh, who influences our life determines our destiny in life. And so you got to be careful about that. And remember, the people you allow to influence your life is going to determine the destiny of your life. Are y'all still, are y'all tracking with me yet? And so I'm getting somewhere with this because, you know, there's a story in the Bible about this king, Jeroboam, and he received the kingship from his father, Jeroboam. Uh, his name was Rehoboam, and his dad, Jeroboam, was the king before him. And so when Rehoboam became the king, uh, the people that he was serving came to him and said, uh, Rehoboam, would you please not charge so much taxes on us? It's been a huge burden and we can't afford it. Could you make it less? And so, so King Rehoboam decided, well, I'm going to check with the elders and see what they think. And so he met with the elders and, and the elders said, listen, you know, you would do yourself a great service. If you just lighten the load and tell and told them, listen, I'm not going to charge you as nearly as much taxes as as you had on you before. And so he said, well, OK, I'm going to consider that. But then he decided I'm going to go talk to the young men in the in the in the camp and and see what they think. And they said, hey, listen, you know, everybody's wanting me to lighten the tax load on everybody. What do you all think? The elders said I, sh I should lighten it. What do you all think? Oh, 
Rehoboam, if I was you, I would increase it. I would tell them, you think the tax load was tough on my dad? Wait till I start putting the tax load on you. It's going to be worse than you've ever had before. And so you got influence here. You got the influence of the elders. You got the influence of the young men. Now, Rehoboam had a decision to make. Who was going to form his opinion? Was it going to be the elders or was it going to be the young men? And so he decided he was going to take the counsel of the young men. And whenever he told the children of Israel, I'm going to increase the tax burden that, uh, that, that's on your life, they just, they ejected. And they rebelled against King Rehoboam. And it was the beginning of King Rehoboam's reign as a king. Now, his whole destiny could have changed if he'd have been more careful at who influenced his life. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that the people that you allow to influence your life is going to make a decision, is going to be, have an effect on where you go in life. And you know, whenever we go down to Lafayette Parish Correctional Center and, and we're in a room like this and there's murderers, rapists, and there's uh, violent offenders and there's felons and there's, you know, bank robbers and there's all these people in this room. And you talk to them and you say, man, what happened? How did you end up here? And so many times you hear people say, I was with the wrong people at the wrong time. I got caught up in the wrong crowd. Basically, what they're saying is I let the wrong people influence me and I ended up here. I'm not a robber. I'm not a murderer. I'm not who, who I am right now or who they say. I, that's not who I am. I let somebody influence my life. That was a negative influence. Now, the Bible says in Colossians 2.8, it says this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Now, Paul says, don't allow anyone to capture you with empty philosophy. Now, the question is, what is philosophy? Let me just explain that a little bit. Philosophy is a particular system of thoughts or opinions and beliefs based on personal study, investigation, or the influence of others. And so basically your philosophy of life is what you believe or your thoughts or your opinions about life. So if I asked you a question in here, what is your thoughts about the Democrats and the Republicans, you would probably have an opinion about that. And our opinion would probably be a little bit different. Our opinion has been shaped by either our parents, by the media, people that we go to school with, people we live in the neighborhood, or it could be even our older siblings. But we have an opinion about that. Now, philosophy is the glasses which you, we look through. And each of us are having our glasses formed. And so some of us, when we see through the glasses of our philosophy and we look at life, we have opinions about things in our culture and in and, and our society that we have formulated by the influences of our life. And so Paul says, be careful that you don't let empty philosophy or people that aren't godly determine the glasses that you look at our society in. Because if you do, it's going to capture you. It's going to imprison you, and it's going to hurt the destiny of your life. So Paul is saying, listen, he calls it empty, high-sounding nonsense. 
And he says, be careful that you don't let people's empty philosophy capture you and just ruin your life. And I've seen this over the years where we've had people uh, in church and uh, they loved God and they, they just thought, you know, serving the Lord was great. And then they go off to college. And then they sit in a classroom with a professor, which they respect. I mean, this guy, you know, he's a professor. I mean, he's smart, right? And so they sit in that class and they're listening to this guy. And he says, anybody in here a Christian? Nobody in here is, is dumb enough to be a Christian, right? And everybody snickers. No, we're not Christians in here. And the Christian is sitting there going, being a Christian is dumb? Being a Christian is empty? Well, everybody else in my class, and these are all cool people, if they think that Christianity is dumb, and if this professor, this smart guy, thinks that Christianity is dumb, then Christianity must be dumb. And they come out of that classroom having their glasses changed by the influence in their life. And see, listen, I'm telling you, you can't get by this. I know I try not to let anybody influence me other than Jesus, right? But man, it's amazing how our culture and how people around us influence us. And you see, your philosophy of life is what's called your worldview. Your worldview, how you see life. And so either you have a biblical worldview or you have what's called a secular worldview. You see, and if you have a secular worldview, what that means is this. Your opinion and thoughts about things in your life are shaped by ungodly, unchristlike, worldly opinions, beliefs, and thoughts. And so if you have a secular worldview, the way that you have formulated what you believe about life is people outside of Christianity. But if you have a biblical worldview, then your opinions, your thoughts, and your mindsets are shaped by either godly people or the Holy Spirit or the Scriptures. And so all of us in this room, we're being shaped right now, especially, you know, I'm, my glasses are getting older. I'm 50. I'm going to be 53. Mine are starting to get molded a little bit, right? But yours are fresh. Because you're just coming out of like childhood. And now you're, now you're in adulthood. And now you don't have the influence of children. You're having the influence of adults. And you're in the process of critical thinking skills. Which means like, you know, as a, as a 53 year old, my thinking skills is different than whenever I was a 12 year old. And if you're a 12 year old, your thinking skills is different than your, when you're an 18 year old. And when you're an 18 year old, your thinking skills will be different than whenever you're a 25 year old. Your thinking skills continue to mature as you get older. That's in a natural way. But in a practical way, our thinking skills, our worldview is affected by everybody around us. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Is because if you're careful and you pay attention to who's influencing your life, you're going to make sure that you have people around you and things around you that's going to cause your glasses to be a biblical worldview instead of a secular worldview. And, you know, the difference between biblical worldview and a secular worldview is night and day. In fact, the Bible says 
It's light and darkness. It's life and death. The Scripture says the difference between a biblical worldview and a secular worldview is heaven or hell, right? Are y'all believe, do y'all believe in heaven and hell in here? Yeah? Well, one, two people? Okay, great, great. Well, let's talk about heaven and hell for a minute. No, just kidding. But are y'all still tracking with me? And so, so here's, where, here's the point that I'm trying to get to. What are you going to allow to shape your worldview? Your philosophy of life. Are you going to let some cool person next to you? Are you going to let some, some person that, that you're trying to impress determine your opinion about life? Are you going to let some smart person in college determine what you believe about God? Or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit, godly people, or the Scripture determine who you are? You see, whenever I was young, I had people influencing my life that were ungodly, that weren't led by the Spirit, and I didn't have the Scripture influence in my life. I didn't know what the Bible said. I I didn't have that influence. So guess what kind of glasses I looked through? No doubt it was a secular worldview, right? But Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. Another translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let it force you to be somebody that you don't really want to be. And so Paul is saying, don't allow the influence of the behaviors, the thoughts, and the beliefs, and the opinions of this world determine who you're going to be in life. you got to make sure that you change that. And so instead of letting the influence of God shape your life, the Bible says, let your mind be transformed. And you know that picture is the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. And see, what happens is whenever you get your worldview shaped by the Bible or by the Holy Spirit or your relationship with God or godly people, you're going to get transformed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's what he's saying. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be a worm, but be transformed, metamorphosis, into a butterfly. So he's saying, listen, if you allow your life to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're going to prove what God's will is for your life. Now listen, when God created you, God already determined a plan for you. And He already, Jeremiah 29, 11, He's got a good plan for you. His plan is for you not to fail, but to succeed. His plan for you is for you to be successful. His plan is for you to have purpose in life, to have happiness in life, to have joy in life. His purpose is for you to wake up in the morning and say, I'm glad to be alive. Are y'all hearing me? 
And so listen, if you allow the world to squeeze you in its mold, I promise you, that's not the way you're going to feel about life. But if you let God change your perspective of life, your worldview, you're going to live, you're going to live life to the fullest. You're going to enjoy life. You're going to be happy about life. And man, it's going to work out for you. Do y'all believe me tonight? I'm, I'm telling you, that's the way that it works. Amen. Now, let me just share with you some philosophies that are being challenged by our culture. Remember I said that the church is different now than it was whenever I came into the church 30 years ago. But not only the church, the whole culture is a lot different. You see, whenever I was coming up, because I smoked pot, I was considered like this, like the bad people. Now, like smoke pot, it's legal in some states. It's nothing anymore. Now it's crack, it's meth, it's all this stuff that is way worse. Our culture is changing. But let me give you some philosophies that are being challenged right now in our culture. The first one is this. Our philosophies about relationships. Now, the world has a philosophy about relationships, and so does the Bible, or so does Christianity. Is that right? And so, you know, and so the question is, like, okay, is it, is it okay to be sexually active before you get married? Yes or no? Well, it depends where your opinion is formed. If your opinion is formed by your, your, your co-students at school, it might not be, it might, it might not, nothing be wrong with it. You see? But if your opinion about relationships is by the scripture, then you have to accept the viewpoint of the Bible and not the cool friends at school or the, the older sibling that says nothing wrong with that. We're in the 21st century, man. I mean, that's old school. Well, is the Bible old school or is it new school? See, the Bible is never old school. The Bible, the scripture says, that this earth is going to pass away, but God's word will never pass away. Listen, God's word is never old school. We might believe that it's old school, but God's word is going to be new school as long as there is life on this planet. It's never going to change. You see, some people believe that, okay, well, is it okay for girls to date girls and guys to date guys? Well, it depends. Your opinion is shaped by somebody. What's your opinion about relationships? Is it okay or is it not okay? Well, if I go talk to my friend down the road, they say it's okay. Well, let's check that opinion next to the Bible. Does the Bible say that it's okay? And if the Bible says it's not okay, then I have to accept the opinion of the Bible and not my cool friend down the road. Are y'all still tracking with me yet? But it's one of the philosophies, you see, and as a pastor, even in the church. You know, it used to be that every adult that came in the church, they knew that if they weren't married and they were living together, that that was wrong. I mean, you didn't even have to tell them. They knew. But do you know we have people in church today and they sit in our church at Family Life Church. They come in there Sunday after Sunday and they've been living together for years. And I stand in the pulpit and I tell them it's wrong. And they say, I don't believe that. What's the problem? It's a secular worldview. They've allowed their opinion to be shaped by people around them or their culture instead of the Bible. But the question is, 
What's going to be your opinion about relationships? Because what you believe about relationships is going to determine your life. Right? Now, here's another philosophy that's being challenged by our culture. Our belief about, our philosophy and belief of, about holiness. Now, see, some people say, it's okay if you cheat a little bit. I mean, you just got to get out of this class. It's okay if you lie to your parents and you tell them you were here when you weren't here. It's okay to, to break any of the Ten Commandments. That was Old Testament. But wait, saints, has it ever gotten okay to lie? Has it ever gotten okay to cheat? Let me ask you a question. Is it okay for somebody to lie to you? Is it okay for somebody to steal stuff out of your purse or your wallet? Is it okay? You see, the whole reason why God created the Ten Commandments is to protect us and make our life better, not make it worse. But you see, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in the principles of God, you come over here with a secular worldview and you say, listen, man, it's just a little white lie. I mean, I got to get out of this. My mom would tear me up if she knew I failed this. I'm just going to cheat. But wait a minute. What does God think about that? What's your opinion about holiness? Because, see, you're around people every day that's trying to reframe your, your worldview. They're trying to change your perspective. And as I look out at you today, man, you got your whole life ahead of you. And I know some of you in this room are facing exactly what I'm talking about day in and day out. Is it okay to send pictures of yourself on the, on the internet, Snapchat or not? Is it that okay? No, it's not okay. It's not holiness. Are y'all still breathing out there? What's going to be your opinion about life? A third challenge in our culture about our philosophy is that Jesus is not the only God that there is that we can serve. There are multiple gods. And Christianity is not the only religion. There's other religions. And there's a culture out there that says, you know what? It doesn't matter who you serve. All gods end up at the same place. Is that true or not? Does it matter whether I'm a Mormon? Does it matter whether I'm a Jehovah witness? Does it matter whether I'm a pagan? Does it matter what religion I'm in, who I'm serving? Does that matter? What do you think? What's your opinion? Do you have an opinion? Well, I don't know. You're in the middle of critical thinking skills. And as you get older, you're going to have to make a decision. You can only stay neutral for so long, and then you got to decide, is Jesus Lord or not? Is Christianity the right religion or not? Well, if you go to college and you listen to a college professor, they will make fun of all the Christians in the classroom. Ask, ask Pastor Brady, he'll tell you. There's some others that have been in college in this room. Ask them, they'll tell you. And they'll try to make you feel like you're lower than life because you believe in Jesus. Oh, like you're so, you're, you are so weak mentally that you believe in Jesus? 
That's their philosophy. But I want you to know, according to the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. So when you read your Bible, the Bible tells us that there is no other God that we can serve. There is no other religion. So what happens when you're talking with some students at school? And they say, oh, man, it don't matter whether you're a pagan or you're a new age or you are, you know, you're a Jehovah Witness, Mormon, you know, all these things. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yes, it does. It doesn't mean I'm judging them. It doesn't mean I dislike them. But it just means that I have a biblical worldview. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You understand what I'm saying? Just because I don't agree that girls can date girls, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying I got a biblical worldview. Just because I don't believe in, in, in living together and, and being sexually active before you get married, I'm not trying to be ugly or judgmental or critical. I'm just saying I got a biblical worldview. And the Bible says any kind of activity outside of marriage is, un, is ungodly and it's not right. You see, so I can, I can have a biblical worldview and it doesn't mean that I have to be mean. It doesn't mean that I have to be ugly. It doesn't mean I have to be judgmental. But it does mean I can decide who's going to influence what I believe or not. And I don't have to allow anybody, whether they're in Hollywood or whether they're the jocks at school or whether they're the pretty girls at school to determine what I believe about life. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? See, I went to school. I know it's hard for you to believe, but I used to go to school and I know what happens at school and the pressure that you have on you at school. And I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to wrap it up here. A fourth philosophy being challenged in our culture. is the principle of giving and serving. You know, the, our culture says. Just worry about yourself and don't worry about helping anybody. That's a philosophy of life. Do whatever, do whatever you got to do to get on top. Just climb over everybody. Just run over anybody to get to the top. But that's a wrong philosophy. Do you all agree with that? It's a wrong philosophy. And then the, the final thing I just want to mention is that it's the philosophy of not having any authority or accountability in life. And so what that means is that some people say, you know, if you go to church, they're just going to try to tell you what to do and just control you. And they say, listen, I don't need to listen to anybody. I don't need to listen to my parents. I don't need to listen to no pastor. I don't need to listen to no teacher. And the philosophy of this culture and of this world is, you do whatever you want to do. Well, listen, that's exactly what Satan did. Satan said, I don't have to listen to you, God. I can be the God of this kingdom. And God said, no, you can't. And he booted him right out. But you see, whenever you feel that way without recognizing or realizing, and listen, this is across our society. 
There's a spirit in our society that's a spirit of nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own person. I'm not listening to anybody. I got, I'm my own. I do what I want to do. It's a spirit of rebellion and obstinacy that comes straight from hell. See, there's no way you can have that philosophy and be a Christian. Because to be a Christian, you got to say, God, you call the shots in my life. See, to be a Christian, you got to say, it's not what I think or what the people down the road think. It's what you think. So you have to have an authority in your life. And you know what's happening today? People are getting their philosophies of life by the latest rock star. The, the, the greatest, the most popular actor in Hollywood. And if they say this is cool, then they accept that. And that's their authority. But listen, people, you know, there's a, a, an old pastor that used to say in Hollywood. But, you know, in Hollywood, you will find not everybody, but you will find a lot of ungodly people that don't want to have anybody tell them what to do. And they stand up and they say, this is my opinion. And if we're not careful, we'll listen to that. And we'll take that on as our opinion. And we'll start having a secular worldview instead of a biblical worldview. And as you continue to live your life, there's no way that I can walk with you through your life and just help you and steer you in your decisions. But you know what? If you will just settle the fact. And I'm going to let Jesus be the authority in my life. I'm going to let the Bible be the authority in my life. I'm going to let his opinion matter to me. Listen, I wish I could just give you a money back guarantee. But I'm telling you. At the age of 11, I started doing drugs and I didn't have a secular, I didn't have a biblical worldview. But at the age of 22, I became a Christian. I'm 52. I'm going to be 53 shortly. And I can tell you, after living for the Lord 31 years or whatever, I think that's right, man. But after being living, living for the Lord that many years, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know, I know that you're formulating your worldview. That you're developing your thinking skills. You're, you're deciding for yourself what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. And all, I, all I'm telling you tonight is don't believe what I say. Don't believe what your teachers say. Don't believe what your friends say. Believe what God says. Let God be the one that forms your opinions and your beliefs and your thoughts. One day, we're going to sit around the banquet table in heaven and we'll be able to talk about the blessing of doing the right thing and living for Jesus. Amen. Can y'all receive this tonight? Did, 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 I, did I make myself clear enough for y'all to understand what I was saying tonight? Would you do me a favor and just stand up with me? I want you to just take a serious moment right now, if you would. We're going to be done here in just a few minutes. 
But I want you to just close your eyes with me for a moment. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What's my worldview? What's my worldview? Is it secular? Or is it biblical? Can you ask yourself that question? And can you answer that question? Ask yourself that question. Is my worldview biblical? Or is my worldview secular? Ask yourself that question. And whenever you think you have, you know, won't you, would you raise your hand so I can just see it? I know what my worldview is. Just raise your hand. Biblical or secular? Just raise your hand. Come on, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you say, well, I don't know. Todd, can I have like one eye biblical and one eye secular? How many of you feel like you might have two worldviews going on right now? Anybody feel that way? It's, it's very common. Well, let me ask you another question. Would you agree with me tonight that we need a biblical worldview? Would you agree with that tonight? Can we just ask the Lord right now to just help us formulate our opinions? Help Him to ask the Lord to help us to to establish our beliefs, what we believe about all these different things that's happening in our culture. And in our time, Father, I pray tonight for these precious young people that are here tonight. God, they got a full life ahead of them. And Lord, your word says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the perfect will of God is. Lord, I know that you have a perfect will for every person in this room. And I know that you got a great plan for them, Lord. And God, I just ask you tonight that, Lord, you would just cause us to be able to just surrender and just receive your authority. Thank you, Father God, for just helping us tonight. Now, listen, none of none of God's opinions matter until you truly say, I want the Lord to be the authority in my life. So I'm just going to ask you right there in your in your chair, standing up right there at your chair. I'm just going to ask you to just make a commitment to the Lord, not to me. If if you're interested, and if you want to serve the Lord, just right there in your chair, just to say, Lord, I I want you to be my authority. I don't want to be my own boss. I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to be obstinate. Lord, I don't want to go against the grain. Lord, I want to surrender to you, Father. Father, I pray that tonight, Lord, that you would just... Lord, just touch every student that's in this room tonight. And God, would you give them the grace to be able to live a biblical worldview, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Will y'all receive this word tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, you know, the Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that verse, right? And it says, I have a plan for you. Now listen, that plan, you only find out what that plan is as you follow the guidance of the Lord. If you don't follow the guidance of the Lord, you're not going to be on His plan. You're going to be on another plan, right? But if you follow the guidance of the Lord, He said, I got a plan for you. And it's a good one. It's not a bad one. Amen? So follow His plan. Follow His guidance. And I promise you, your life will be blessed as a result. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you tonight. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, 
Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.